Today on Bold Steps, Mark Job reminds us about the power of God's love. If it doesn't bother you tremendously when you sin, if it doesn't drive you to want to confess it and get it right before God, if you can sin continuously and unabashedly and live in a pattern of sin and call yourself a believer, John says, think again because you're probably not. Welcome to Bold Steps with Mark Job. Mark is the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago, and he's president of Moody Bible Institute. Today we're continuing a series called Contrast and opening to the book of 1 John to learn more about the hope and power of God's love. At Bold Steps, we have a growing number of Mark's messages archived online, along with a variety of resources. They're all designed to help you learn more about the hope we have in Jesus. So go online and start exploring today. You'll find us at boldstepsradio.org. Now, let's jump into the second part of a message on discovering the power of God's love. The hope that you will see Jesus and become like Jesus and that you will stand before God, when you have that expectation and that hope, it causes you to purify yourself because you think at any moment I could see him. There's none of us here that can be guaranteed that we may not be standing in the presence of God tomorrow. None of us here guaranteed that. Oh, you may feel like you're healthy. You may feel like you're strong. But there is no one that's guaranteed tomorrow. How about it? So when you have that expectation that I'm going to stand before God, and it could be at any moment. It could be tomorrow, it could be a year from now, it could be a month from now, but I have this expectation that I will stand before God and it could be soon. That hope and that expectation causes you to purify yourself and you you deal with things rapidly, you cleanse yourself rapidly, you don't tolerate sin in your life for a long time. Why? Because you have this hope that keeps purifying you, knowing that the love of God has made you a child of God, and therefore you're going to stand before God and be like Him, and it's that love and that hope that causes you to walk in purity. The second thing that John says the love of God does in our life is that the love of God, when we have experienced the love of God and we have tasted of it and seen of it and become a child of His through His incredible love, then that love, that love of God, it causes us to, well, to not be dominated by sin. The love of God starts to drive the sin pattern out of your life. John says everyone who sins breaks the law. What law is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the moral laws of God. Illustrated in the Mosaic law, in Christ's law, and in some of the natural laws that are given to us uh, just through nature itself. So, sin in essence, is lawlessness. It's the defiling and breaking of the law. Now, 
You know, here's the interesting thing about uh, sin and breaking the law. You can break the laws of the state of Illinois and break the laws of our government and sometimes get away with it. How many of you have ever broken the speed limit and not gotten caught? How many of you have talked on your cell phone in Chicago and not gotten caught? How many of you mm -mm -mm, have texted while you're driving? Come on. And not gotten caught. How many of you have run a red light? On purpose or maybe by mistake? And not gotten caught. And you looked around? What happens immediately when you know you're breaking the law? I made it. And we've all broken the law that way. A couple weeks ago, I don't know what it was about it. I had had a great streak of not being stopped by any cops. You know, very nice streak. Kind of proud of it. And I'm minding my own business, driving down the expressway, and a cop car pulls behind me. I look at the speed limit. I think, oh, I'm, I'm going the speed limit. He pulls me over. I'm like, flabbergasted. I'm thinking, are my plates expired? Is What's going on? He pulls me over. And he says, you know why I pulled you over? I said, I think I was going the speed limit. I don't know. He said, you didn't have your seatbelt on. I seriously? I mean, I'm on I-55. And I'm being pulled over on the expressway because I didn't have my seatbelt on. I'm, I'm wanting to say, man, you're bored. I know it. You're bored because, Wow. I mean, I can understand that a seatbelt check, but to pull a car over, so I got a ticket. I was like, all right, okay. My wife was kind of smiling, like, yeah, I've told you a bunch of times to wear your seatbelt. She was happy. But here's the thing. How many times have I broken the law, gone a few miles over the speed limit, and not gotten caught? But with God, there is no times where you break the law that God doesn't notice. There is no time that you got angry in your heart or, or, or had envy that God doesn't know. There's no time where you, where you swore and God didn't hear it. There, there's not a moment where you didn't have a flash of jealousy that God did not see. That There's not a time where you didn't gossip by the water cooler that God didn't hear the conversation. In other words, there is no time at all ever in your life that you've ever broken the law of God that God was not aware of it. So therefore we are extreme lawbreakers. Because we violated the laws of God many times. But listen to what he says. He says, No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anybody lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. 
Let me tell you what John is telling us. John is not saying that if you sin, you're not a Christian. He's not saying that if you fall into sin, you're not a believer, okay? Because in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, he says we all sin, and if anybody says we don't have sin, he's a liar, right? So he's not telling you that if you sin, you're not really a believer. What he is saying is this. And sometimes in these cases, you have to go to the Greek verbiage really to understand exactly what he's saying. This verbiage is in the present tense in the Greek, which implies habit, continuity, and unbroken sequence. What does he mean by that? It means that if you live your life continually dominated by sin, that you are in the habit continually of breaking, sinning in that pattern, and that is what dominates your life, not just will I sin and I repented of it, got it right before God, but if you are in the habitual, continual habit, the pattern of ongoing sin in your life, then what John is saying is you need to rethink whether you've really encountered God. Because when you've encountered God in a powerful way, in a loving way, that love will drive sin out of your life. And it doesn't mean that you won't sin because you'll fall, but when you do sin, you'll confess your sin, get it right before God, and move on. Some people say, well, you know, I prayed a prayer when I was 14 years old. I went to the altar to Billy Graham crusade. So I'm saved. You know, I know I'm living with my girlfriend, getting drunk every weekend, getting high, and I, you know, and I cuss like a sailor. But, you know, praise God, I'm saved. And I would say, mm, hold on a second. If you have a lifestyle or pattern of sin in your life and it's just going ongoing, what John says is, you probably really never encountered God. You're listening to Bold Steps with Mark Job, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. We'll continue this message in a moment. To learn more about the ministry or to find another message from our Bible teacher, Mark Job, just visit us online at boldstepsradio.org. And while you're on that homepage, we want to invite you to say hello and let us know you're listening because your comments and testimonies and questions mean so much to the whole team here. Mark, I've got a pretty heavy question here that we received from a listener named Douglas. Listen to what he asks. It says in the Bible that God doesn't change. He's the same today as he was from the beginning. In Luke, it says Jesus healed and that he gave power to his disciples to heal people. Now, when the blind man asked if Jesus was willing to heal him, Jesus said he was. So Jesus healed everyone willingly. So why doesn't everyone who asks for healing for themselves or others receive healing? Yeah, Douglas, that's a good question. So you're right. The Bible does speak about God being the same yesterday, today, and forever. Theologians would use the word immutable, which means that God doesn't change. His character and his essence never changes, and you can be assured of that. Now, the way that God works in different seasons can be different. Uh, The question of divine healing is one that perplexes people a lot. People ask, well, isn't it God's will to always heal? Hmm. I would say that God hasn't changed, but 
not everybody who prays for divine healing will be healed. You have to keep in mind, Douglas, that Jesus was in perfect sync with the Father. So anytime that he pronounced healing over someone, they were healed because it was the will of the Father. But also keep in mind that the Apostle Paul prayed in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, He had a physical ailment. A lot of people think that uh, maybe it was severe fever that he got, or but it was definitely a physical ailment, and he prayed three times that God would heal him, and God said, my grace is sufficient to you. Yeah, he did. So not everybody in the New Testament was healed. Jesus was in perfect sync with the Father, so when he pronounced healing upon someone, they were healed. Jesus today is in perfect sync with the Father, but you and I don't always know the will of the Father. So I would say this, you pray, here's how I treat divine healing, I pray specifically for healing, but I also leave room for the sovereignty of God and say, God, not my will, but yours be done. I I also want to point out that when Jesus was on the cross, he said, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. So his desire was to end suffering, but but, but he succumbed to the will and sovereignty of the Father. So does God heal today? Yes, he does. Does God heal everyone every time we ask? No, and neither did healing happen for everyone in the New Testament either. What a helpful answer. Thank you, Mark, for uh, taking time to do that. And Douglas, thank you for your question. And wherever you're listening from today, we invite you to send us a message by going online to boldstepsradio.org. Or give us a call and leave your story on a new recorded line we've set up by dialing 312-329-2011. That's 312-329-2011. And we do look forward to hearing from you. Again, thanks, Mark. Let's get back to your message now, the conclusion of your message titled, The Power of God's Love. I invite people to the altar to come to experience God and to know God, but praying a prayer after me at an altar does not make you saved. It gives you the opportunity to get saved. It gives you the doorway to salvation. Your prayer and faith What will manifest your true conversion is how you live afterwards. What is the pattern of life that you're living afterwards? And if your pattern of life does not match up, if you're constantly living that kind of life, then John says, you cannot have the seed of God inside of you and continue to live a pattern of sin. The seed of God inside of you will break the pattern of sin. And if you don't break the pattern of sin and you're dominated by sin, it could be very well the case that you've never really encountered God. He says, don't let anybody lead you astray. Some people are thinking, well, I could live this life and still know God. And John says, hey, don't be deceived. Don't let someone lead you astray into thinking that you can live that kind of life and still consider yourself a believer. He says, he who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Wow, that's pretty strong language. You see, in John's book, there is no in-between ground. You're either of God or of the devil. You're either walking in the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. There's no in-between. You say, well, I'm not really totally God. I'm not totally devil. I'm sort of in 
Is there a limbo out there? No, no limbo, sorry. I'm kind of in gray. No, 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 there's no such thing as gray. You're in the light or in the darkness. Now, what does that mean? Can you struggle as a believer? Yes, you can struggle as a believer. And I don't want everybody to start doubting their salvation now because you struggle with a, a habit that you're trying to get rid of. But listen, if you're not deeply convicted by it, if you're not driven to repent, if it doesn't bother you tremendously when you sin, if it doesn't drive you to want to confess it and get it right before God, if you can sin continuously and unabashedly and live in a pattern of sin and call yourself a believer, John says, think again because you're probably not. Which leads me to my third point. He goes on to tell us here, verse 9. The reason the Son of God appeared, it talks, it talks to us about breaking the sin. He who does what is sinful, verse 8, he who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Verse 9, no one who's born of God will continue to sin. No one who's born of God will continue to sin. It doesn't mean no one who's born of God sins. Have you ever seen the bumper sticker that says, I'm not sinless, I just sin less. Kind of like that. It's a little bit that idea. I'm not sinless. As a believer, you're not sinless. You're still going to sin, but you're going to sin less. You're going to sin less because the divine nature is inside of you. Verse 9. No one who's born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. Listen to me. Look at me. This is really important. If you are born again of God, the seed of God, what seed? The divine nature seed. It is inside of you. It's changing you. It's the Holy Spirit molding you. So you can't go sinning like someone who doesn't know God just lives a lifestyle of sin is not bothered by it. You can't just go on sinning without being convicted by it, without being challenged by it, without being disciplined by God, without being confronted by it. It will bother you, convict you, break you. You will struggle with it, be miserable until you finally yield to the seed of God inside of you, which dominates the seed of sin. For us as believers, it causes us to question and think again. Are the fruits of my life manifesting that I'm truly a child of the Most High God? He goes on. He tells us that Jesus, the reason that Jesus came, do you love that in verse 8? The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. He didn't come just to neutralize, he came to destroy. Everything that the devil's tried to do and chain you, bind you, make you a slave. Jesus came and when you're born of God, he destroys all the chains, the power and dominance that the devil had over your life. If you're born again of the spirit of God, listen to me well, you're no longer a slave to sin. You say, well, pastor, I just can't. No, 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 don't tell me you can't because I believe if you're born again of the Spirit of God, you can stop any habit that you're involved in. If you're born again, you can stop hating. 
If you're born again, you can stop falling in sexual immorality. If you're born again, you can stop falling into addiction. You can. You have been liberated from slavery. You're no longer dominated by the power of sin. You have been set free to make choices for God. Now you can. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and to set us free so that we can live fully and completely for the glory of God. And I'll close with this. So he says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. It's the only place in the Bible where these two phrases, children of God and children of the devil, are put side by side. This is how we know. How do we know if we're a child of God or a child of the devil? How do I know that? Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother love one another. You want to know if you're a child of God? Two ways you know. You know if you, if you habitually do not do what's right, habitually live a lifestyle of sin. You continue on in that habit of sin. You continue living that way apart from God, ongoing, you're dominated by it. Then, then John is clear. He says, you're probably not born again. But if you have experienced the love of God, the love of God makes you want to do what's right. It makes you want to fight sin in your life. It makes you want to walk in obedience. And it makes you want to love people around you that are unlovable. So the two evidence of the fruits of walking in God are one, is that we'll start doing what is right in our life even when it's hard. And secondly, we'll start loving people around us even when it's difficult to love them. John says you want to see the evidence of the fruit. That's the evidence. The problem with being a true believer that's not walking in obedience is that you start losing your assurance of salvation. No one should ever get smug and comfortable and say, well, you know, I prayed and got baptized five years ago, so no, 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 I, I'm glad you did. But don't get smug about it. Because Scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And one of the things that gives us assurance of our salvation is the sense that we are manifesting the fruit of that, of, of the fruit of the walk in our life. And when we stop manifesting the fruit for long periods of time, then it starts to creep up this lack of assurance. The love of God. There is nothing so powerful, compelling, life-changing than God's love. If you've tasted of it, experienced it, it will cause you to want to be more like Jesus. It will cause you to want to purify yourself. It'll drive you to want to live for God, not out of fear of hell, but out of response to His incredible love. See, that's the powerful love of God. A convicting message today from Mark Job. You're listening to Bold Steps, and did you know that there are a variety of ways you can catch this daily program? Whether you're on a computer, at home, or in your office, you can always listen 24-7 on our website. 
Or catch the program where you're out on the go by downloading the Moody Audio app. We're even available on most podcast platforms. To learn more, visit boldstepsradio.org. And following up on today's pivotal message, our latest Bold Step gift is a fascinating book that reveals the unique ways that God communicates with you based on your individual personality and needs. From renowned teacher and author Dr. Gary Chapman, the book is called God Speaks Your Love Language, and it's based on his groundbreaking discovery of the five love languages. Dr. Chapman uses the book to show you how to hear God's voice and feel his love in a way that speaks directly to your heart. So don't miss out on this opportunity to experience more of the transformative power of God's love. Request this Bold Step gift when you give a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps. Just call 1-800-D-L-Moody. That's 800-D-L-Moody or 356-6639. Or go online to boldstepsradio.org. You can also send a gift in the mail by addressing your envelope to Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. Well, Mark, tomorrow you're going to walk us through a message called Testing the Spirits. And that sounds a little bit like we're going back to school. Yeah, First John is telling us the contrast between light and darkness. And John jumps into the fact that oftentimes the darkness camouflages itself as light. Mm. And so there's a discernment that has to happen, especially in these days, to determine truth from that which is camouflaged as truth. So we're learning how to discern things in the spiritual realm. That's coming up tomorrow, but Mark continues another message from this engaging series called Contrast. The message is titled, by the way, Testing the Spirits, and you will hear Thursday on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.